Hey guys, my name's Echo Kellum. I play Curtis Hall, aka Miss Terrific, on CW Arrow, and you're listening to Neil Before Pot. Neil Before Blog presents Neil Before Pod. My name is Craig McKenzie. After a lifetime of being a nerd, I have come to you with only one goal to talk utter nonsense. But to do that, I can't sit and talk to myself. I must enlist someone else and do something else. So I have it on good authority that my guest for this further development into the DC TV universe uh, was without internet for five minutes and now he just kills people with, uh, I think it's an iron. Is that your gimmick, Chris? That is my gimmick. You're spot on. I I kill people with an iron because of my lack of internet. I (laughs) seek revenge upon them. Because it was five minutes without internet. Whole five minutes. Yeah. It was brutal. Brutal. We're all test. We we all go through our own personal islands as, uh, you know, as Oliver Queen does. And you've had yours. I've yet to have mine. I'm okay. I'm still in season one flash mode where I'm just running (laughs) around naive. Nah. I don't know. Uh, So, successful intro from me. Yeah. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hello, Chris. Welcome to Arrow Season 5. The good one. Hello. <laughs> we have uh, been through The Flash Season 3, and we're in desperate need of a pick-me-up. So now we have Arrow Season 5, which is, you know, historically the more morbid of the two. Historically. It's uh, still still morbid, however. <laughs> yeah. However, however, I had quite a good season, I thought. Yeah, uh, me too. I really enjoyed it. Uh, good characterization, good villain, uh, good plot developments. It's just good, you know. Throughout, just routinely good. That's all I have to say without launching into spoilers. Uh, same as me, pretty much. Uh, I enjoyed the developments that happened this season. I kind of like the way they've left it, potentially helping the next season. So yeah, yeah, it's all good. Uh, are you ready to go into spoilers then? That was quick. Yeah, fire, fire the spoiler klaxon or the arrow sound effect. The thing. spoiler arrow. Yes. The spoiler arrow. Yeah, yeah. You, you've got a utility arrow in the back there that you can fire. Yeah. Go, I'll go just, for it. Uh, I'll just reach around into my quiver here. It's like, no, that's the. Uh... That's not your quiver. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not where you keep a quiver. It's <laughs> where I keep a quiver. Well, uh, sorry, listeners, this is... <laughs> yeah, so... Um, reach into okay. your quiver. <laughs> I'm, I will reach into my quiver now and launch the spoiler arrow. Okay, we can spoil stuff now. Um, Yay! Let's... They're all dead! I'm sorry. <laughs> 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 That's going to be a really bizarre question. Everyone except Oliver is dead. Yeah. Yay! What was that I said about being positive? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I think we should um, be more positive than we were in the Flash one in terms of structure. So I think we should just start with what we maybe didn't like about the season. Oh. I know. Let's throw a, let's throw a curve arrow in there. Like a curve arrow. <laughs> it's God, not very got good. So it, much... just come, it just comes got... back and stabs you in the face. <laughs> 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 the boomerang arrow. The boomerang arrow. You fire it at your enemies and it comes back and stabs you. Um, <laughs> the bad things in the season. Um, 
let me think. There were some aspects where they didn't give the background characters the time or the development they could because it's the same kind of issue that I've had with um, Flash where the team has grown very, 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 very large. There are lots of them and lots of ancillary characters off the back of that as well and it doesn't give everyone space to breathe. It can be good in some ways and it can be bad in others which is why kind of the ending of the season potentially could be good because it allows them to clean the slate slightly um, out of excess but um, yeah, like I say overall it's been quite good but I think that's one of the things is sort of um, giving people development or having enough time to give all the characters development. My main negative was probably the resurgence of the Oliver and Felicity relationship. When Mm. they started heading down that road again, I was like, oh, no, not again. Uh, Because it was just angst-ridden crap. You know, when when they went... It was fine when they were a couple because then it was... I mean, I keep talking about... I can't believe I never said this during the Flash podcast, but when it comes to relationships, these shows, certainly Flash, it likes to give you the milestones. So they get together, they live together, they break up, they get back together, you know, all those milestones, Mm. where you don't get any flavour of their relationship uh, as it progresses. Whereas when Oliver and Felicity were a couple, they were a team, they were, you know, they were, I don't want to say power couple, but they were, that was essentially what they were. And that was fine up until you got to the you lied to me about your son and I'm not going to see your point of view at all and now I'm going to break up with you and then you had the resurgence of that so you had a a reiteration of the fact that Felicity's like you know I still love you but I still can't trust you you know when you had that flashback episode where they were Mm. stuck in the bunker together well the flashbacks they weren't stuck in the bunker they were just in the bunker but um, in the present day they were stuck and in the flashbacks it was a passionate night they had between seasons that we, you know, we never saw, thankfully, until now. Um, and it was like this, yeah, we can't be together until now it's back at the end of the season. It's like, yeah, they're probably going to get together next season. And I, I think the ship has sailed on that. Let it let it go. Yeah, I think either, either, either guarantee them the relationship and leave it stable or get rid of the will they won't they yeah. with something definite. Yeah, at least there's no love triangles. No, Oliver saw to that. <laughs> <laughs> or I suppose Prometheus saw to that. <laughs> Oliver merely assisted. <laughs> oh, God, yeah. I'd, actually, you've just reminded me, I'd completely forgotten. Felicity's yeah. boyfriend. She yeah. had a boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, she had, yeah. She had a boyfriend, so yeah, yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Oh, oh how yeah. quickly we forget. <laughs> <laughs> I do remember the fact that Oliver shot him with three arrows, though. That was... That was grim. Um, that wasn't bad, though. That was, I mean, not that I wished he was dead. You know, I'm sure he was a perfectly nice guy. But, yeah, that was pretty grim. Uh, that, that's about it for negatives, I suppose. Anything to, anything to do with relationshipy stuff. And you had that journalist woman that Oliver was hooking up with. Uh, that was weird. Yeah, j- journalist scouting for information, pretty much. Yeah, she was, I don't know, she was breaching some weird professional ethics there. Mm. Especially when she was like reporting on his campaign when she was like his girlfriend. That's like conflict of interest written all over it. Ah, it's not the worst crime going on in that city, let's face it. No. I mean, <laughs> it's, how 
That's how the CW sees journalism. It's yeah. This <laughs> gram- glamorous occupation where everybody's all so well-dressed and they work in well-lit offices and that's not how real journalism is. The most real depiction of journalism I've seen in television is probably Daredevil. You know, it's like dank, musty offices where they're like, we can't sell papers anymore. Yeah, up until the point where they give someone their own little corner office and just let them get on with whatever they want. Yeah, that's just <laughs> then, then, then that <laughs> stops becoming <laughs> a realistic depiction. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a different thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. But that's about all. Yeah, relationshipy stuff. Let's get rid of that. Uh, that was all. I ha- that was all I really didn't like about the season. On the whole, there was bits and pieces throughout that I thought were not as good as others. Uh, for instance, Curtis being on the team was fine. But putting him out in the field without any of his like gadgetry knowledge for a while, while he was just getting beaten up all the time. Um, yeah, I didn't. I, I thought it was a bit weird when they did the the auditions, for want of a better term, with the new team, and then you've got Curtis standing there, and I was like, where the hell did he come from? You know, He's an were they, gymnast, remember? Were they short? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I remember that getting thrown in later on. I mean, I liked Curtis as a character, but I quite liked the fact that there was sort of a tag team support role going on in the in the bunker, rather than sort of having him out there in the field. I suppose now that he's got his balls, um, <laughs> his spheres, um, then he's you know then he's slightly more useful. But yeah, a bit. A bit odd at first, and he was basically just getting the hell kicked out of him each time. Yeah, yeah. There was other issues with the the recruits that I'll come on to a bit later mm. on, actually. But um, now that we've got rid of the bad. Let's get on to the good. And it's so much good. Um, do you have any kind of bullet points of your favourite stuff? Um, I've not got many bullet points. I've just kind of been free rolling. However, I thought Prometheus towards the end, maybe not towards the beginning, was a good villain. I thought he was interesting and different and pretty well played, in my opinion. Uh, the fact that he basically held a mirror up to Oliver to show him what he's done and the damage he's caused, and to make him doubt himself, and all those ways to be so manipulative and get right underneath his skin, I think was a great way to do a villain. Um, it was, it was, you know, it, it sometimes, at some points, uncomfortable to watch um, the way he managed to get in there. So, yeah, I, I, I think this villain is one of the best I've had on. I think definitely up there, at least. Um, I think his his plans and everything became a bit flimsy towards the end, and I still don't quite understand how he has the means or the time to accomplish a lot of the things that he has done. <laughs> um, yeah. um, you know, it sort of goes from being I have planned this to the detail to well, this is a calamity to oh well, hang on, it's all played into my hands again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but. Yeah, I, I I did. I I quite liked the the villain in this. I I thought that that sort of was quite a good plot. Yeah, I liked Prometheus throughout actually, especially when he was voiced by Michael Dorn for a while. They never credited him, but it was definitely him. It's got to be. I mean, no one else sounds like that. He's been listed on a few sites as that, and I didn't quite believe it at first because, like you say, it wasn't credited, but it's there, you know, yeah. on tons of sites. So 
because when they did Zoom, it was like Tony Todd. You know, they advertised it was Tony Todd. They were proud of the fact. But Michael Dorn, they were just like, nah, whatever. And let's not credit him. Maybe it was his wishes, but or maybe he thinks his voice speaks for itself, which it most certainly does. But yeah, when you've got Michael Dorn yelling at you villainous stuff, you listen. And they didn't use enough of Michael Dorn. There's a negative. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you didn't have long conversations with Michael Dorn speaking. But I suppose that was part of the, the allure, you know. Oh, he doesn't say much. Because the more he says, the more he might tip his hand. So there you go. Um, it's, always, it's always villains getting into monologues, though, isn't it? Yeah. You know, trick them into monologuing and they'll give away their entire plan. Yeah. And... I think they did a good job with the misdirect where it came to Prometheus's identity because everybody was so sure that Vigilante was uh, Adrian. Or I certainly was. Mostly because Josh Sagara, who played uh, Adrian Chase, was definitely voicing Vigilante. So, I don't know what's going on there. And they'll reveal that next season, apparently. But um, So I spent the, most of the season being like, yeah, he'll be Vigilante. Especially because that's who he is in the comics. Um, and then you had that unmasking scene that was like, oh no, what? You know, um, fair enough. It's a character we kind of know and have been getting to know for the new the whole season. But misdirecting by making you think he might be another villain is a good idea because it's the next best thing. Because otherwise, you're just thinking, yeah, it's got to be him. He's the only new guy. I mean, there were other newer people, but still. Especially playing with the comic book canon as well, because it yeah. sort of uh, takes the wind out of everyone that way. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, you, you surprise the viewers, you surprise the readers who are also viewers. So yeah, cool. Uh, holding up a mirror to Oliver Queen was an interesting idea. You've got this guy that uh, understands him, who's a physical match for him, who's able to attack him mentally, uh, who was created by him as well. That was important. And he was created by this innocuous event that Oliver barely remembers. You know, you get that flashback where he's just tearing through this office building as the the hood, as he was known back in season one. And it's like, and it's an episode that we don't see, which is interesting because it's it's just another day at the office for Oliver Queen. You know, if it had been an episode that we don't we had seen in season one that had led to this thing, then it would have lessened the impact of the Oliver didn't realize he was even doing this. You know, or he didn't think about the consequences of his actions back then. And but it's very believable as something that would have happened at that time. It doesn't seem jarring at all because you yeah. you remember seeing the episodes of him just working his way through that list, tearing through very similar office buildings. You know? Yeah. Well, on his on its own, it's not interesting enough to give us an episode about because it was just yeah, it was another day at the office or another day destroying an office. So that was good. Um, and the way I think towards the end there was a bit of the how could he possibly have known that Oliver would do this to set this trap there was a lot of that going on uh, although I thought the episode where he captured Oliver and tortured him to the point where he broke him was really good I mean it was really brutal I felt uncomfortable watching it but it was really interesting how you got he got Oliver to admit that he became the hood because he likes killing nothing else and that wasn't true, but it got to the point where Oliver was almost believed it was true, and it took mm-hmm. him a long time to come back from that. Well, not a long time, it was like three episodes. But it felt like a long time. Great villain. Just a great villain. And yeah, he's the best one since Slade, who we also see this season. So Yeah. Amazing. We get a surprise Slade, but he's calmer. He's 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 still chilled now. Yeah. <laughs> um 
Oh, not quite, that, not quite peace and love, but close enough. I suppose that quite count, almost counts as a bad. Although, I mean, I like the fact that. So what you've got is you've got Slade Wilson on screen, and you know he has to be helping Oliver. So you've got you've got to remove this this possibility of them fighting. I suppose. Um, so what you've got is this. Oh yeah, it was Mirakuru that made me hate you, which is it's kind of annoying because it under undermines his motivation in season two. You know, because he said because yeah. he did he said in season two that the Mirakuru wasn't controlling his actions, but I suppose it was amplifying his hatred and all that stuff. But uh, the idea that the idea that yeah, all I had to do was let the drugs wear off, and then I was then I'm okay. Then we're buds again. That was a bit. Yeah, well, I understood why they needed to do it for the finale, so that you had Slade on on team. That was, I suppose, that was a sacrifice that had to be made in one way. But it's a shame that it didn't. But yeah, Slade, who will be returning for a couple of episodes next season with with his own flashbacks. Looking forward to seeing that. I actually liked some of the mayor storylines towards the beginning and what they did with Fia. Um, I know I think we mentioned this in the mid-season podcast, I think. But I kind of enjoyed some of the elements of that. It was an interesting change in the dynamics and stuff. Um, I think having uh, Quentin in there as well. Um, so it made a little change and it was it was interesting seeing the characters work in a slightly different way. I, and some of those storylines were were good fun seeing seeing that world sort of expand a little bit and putting them in a different situation. I thought was was quite good fun uh, seeing the sort of conflict between the two sides and another one of these sort of trying to hide the identity things. I don't I don't think he would have quite gotten away with it <laughs> in reality. I think there's a, a lot of uh, bits there that just wouldn't have happened, but. Um, yeah, I, I was expecting it all to come unstuck by the end, especially with the, the journalist digging. Yeah, um, Thea in that position where she didn't want to be uh, out in the streets firing arrows at people anymore because it was messing her up uh, was really good. And usually when they take a character and put them in a different role, it doesn't quite work. I don't say usually and I don't know who they are, but... You know, I've seen it in shows where they've just tried to give character something else to do and it's not as good. But with um, with Thea, it was a natural role for her and the bit where she was staring people down and, and giving them a piece of her mind was great. Um, the fact that, you know, they, they found a way to fold her into Quentin's story about his relapsing alcoholism. Mm. That was really good. I liked the father-daughter bond they sort of developed. or the Well, it was actually more a mother-son bond with Thea as the mother, even though she's like... I don't know, thirty years younger than him, or something like that. Forty years younger, something like that. She's, he's um, I don't know how old Quentin is. Uh, I've always liked Quentin as well. You, you know, I've always had a soft spot for Quentin, and the way they did his alcoholism was—I mean, I've never known anybody who's went through that. But um, from what I've been told, the, the whole idea of him relapsing and constantly fighting against it and stuff—the fact that he's not just magically okay. Uh, after getting over it a few years ago is is interesting enough. You know, there's that, um, there's that thing about how he's yeah he's like one bad day away from going off the, off the boil, uh, and Thea helps bring him back from that because she understands, um, this kind of urge that he has because she had an urge to kill people. Yeah, I, 
Yeah, I, I think it, it really worked. And the other bit I quite liked was uh, Quentin and Renee's little camaraderie yeah, in the office as well. Hoz. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and Renee's getting his daughter back thing that kind of doesn't go anywhere, but that's because he gets kidnapped. Can't help that. Um, the bit yeah, of camaraderie and development that's there, though, I think was really good. Yeah. Although there's a season five drinking game that you could have. Um, <laughs> uh, and I noticed this eventually. Um, basically in almost every episode, there is a point in the episode where someone, usually Oliver, while talking to Felicity, will say, can we have the room to whoever else is there? <laughs> and they have to leave. <laughs> it happens in almost every episode. And it's, it's just so funny. It's, you know, someone will say something, Oliver will say, can we have the room? And then, you know, stuff's going to go down. Stuff's about to be said that might not be comfortable. You know, <laughs> but it does happen a lot. Um, I see, now I'm not going to be av- able to avoid seeing that now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's quite funny. Um, I don't know if they'll still do it next season. I imagine so. But, <laughs> uh, so yeah, Thea in a different space. Although her randomly disappearing for like several episodes at a time was a bit weird. She would just be gone, and then she would come back one week, and it'd be like, "Oh yeah, I was away at a spa or something like that." <laughs> um, but that was yeah, that was all good stuff. Uh, On to the the team. So uh, Team Arrow was changed this season because they recruited some new members reluctantly at first. Oliver didn't want to recruit new members, and he was pretty harsh on them. So you had um, let me let me get this straight. At first, so you had Renee, mm-hmm. aka. Mm-hmm. Uh, wild dog or whatever wild it is. Dog, mad dog. Mad wild dog, dog, there you go. Was it mad dog or wild dog? Uh, no idea, probably mad dog. Yeah, one of them. Um, yes. Wild dog, that was it. I'm looking at right there. So you had that. Uh, you had Curtis, who we already knew. Um, and I may have interviewed him fairly recently, by the way. Self plug. Um <laughs> I'll sound the gong. Is 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 that is that podcast available now, Craig? It may be from all good podcast retailers. Yes. There you go. Consider <laughs> it massively self-plugged. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, you had Wild Dog. You had, I think she was called Artemis once. Evelyn Sharp, who. Cosplayed as Black Canary in season four, uh, which is a bit dodgy in itself because Oliver essentially recruits a teenage girl, which is you know weird. Um, who else was there? Rag and Bone Man. Ah, oh, Rag Man. Yeah, but he didn't show up until <laughs> a little bit later. Yeah, Rag Man. Yeah. He was cool. He was like he had like nuclear rags and stuff. Yeah, he had like really useful powers and then vanished. Yeah, conveniently. <laughs> he vanished after he absorbed a nuclear warhead. It's like not another nuke, um, which is bizarre. Um, I guess well, they explained it that those rags were magical and they absorbed the the blast when Felicity nuked a city um, instead of nuking another city, which they didn't make enough of. Actually, they had this. I'm really sorry for nuking your city, and then he's like, "Yes, yeah, I suppose that's all right. None we can do about it now." Um, 
so yeah, the the new team, the new team dynamic was was pretty interesting. Uh, I liked the the idea of Oliver having to recruit new people that he wasn't familiar with, because when you know when Team Arrow was in its heyday, he had Diggle, who was his you know his best friend, right hand man, uh, Laurel, who you know he reluctantly lets on the team, uh, you know Roy, who was his sidekick for a bit, Thea, who was you know. Yeah, they were all people that had sort of been naturally added rather than uh, recruited. Yeah, and they were all close to him, so they all knew him and they all kind of understood him in a way and they respected him, which was the important thing, I suppose. Whereas the the new team really didn't. Renee did not respect him in the beginning. Uh, wouldn't follow orders, was reckless. And, and Oliver was a really crappy leader as well. You know, he was expecting people to blindly follow orders. He wasn't waiting for the trust to be built. And... I like the way they fed that into the flashbacks. You know, you saw him training the team at the same time he was getting trained by the the Bratva. And mm. the flashbacks were designed to show you this is not the way you should train people. And Oliver was aping it and it wasn't until he realised he had to do something different and earn their trust that he started making progress with them. Yeah, they're not it's not really the teaching manual that you want to take, the Bratva uh, teaching manual, is it? <laughs> no, definitely not. And it was like the whole the, the purpose of this exercise is to work together and then we shoot everyone else who <laughs> who doesn't who works <laughs> with you. It's like well, whatever. Uh later on you had a new black canary. Oh I don't sh- she be named that yet? I think she yeah, I think she was once. Uh she started her off as Tina, but that was an alias. She was revealed to be Dinah Drake. Um and she has a sonic scream, which puts a meta human on Team Arrow again, which is which is pretty cool. Um, after they lost Ragman, who was essentially a meta-human. She was a good character, I thought. I liked uh, liked Dinah. I thought she was a nice foil for everyone else because she was kind of the experienced cop and uh, she was happy following orders to a degree. She had a lot of stuff to sort through as well. And the the camaraderie she had with Diggle because they'd both kind of been disgraced in their employment. That was good. Do you have any like, further thoughts on, on Dinah, you know, um, when she was introduced a bit later in the series and so on? Yeah, I think I think she was an alright introduction. Um, I just, I, I'm going to kind of stick by what I said at the, at the beginning, that I think the team is kind of a bit bloated. So, you know, to focus on Dinah joining it then means that some of the people that are already there have got to go on the quiet or, or, or like you say, just vanish completely and go for a spa day in order to... <laughs> Yeah. In order to justify what the reason that they're not there, it kind of just I think it's um, yeah it's all right. I, I like that they've kind of had a bit of a rotating lineup with people dropping in and out, um, but I think having too many people on the team kind of makes it a bit difficult to make the villain um, vulnerable. So there was a lot in this season of. Um, everyone being tied up, <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, the majority of people being tied up or away or locked in a room or conveniently trapped somewhere else in order to justify why this has now become such a big task, you know, or or all of us simply just not uh, inviting anyone else along to the party and then getting stuck. Um, you know, I, I, I do think it's sort of a team that, that takes a while to learn that it's actually a team. And they do get there eventually, obviously, but um, you know, I, 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 
do think that it is a bit um, heavy with team members at the moment. I, I agree and disagree there. I think they did a, made a good distinction between the main characters and the supporting characters. So you would always give more focus to Diggle, uh, Oliver and Felicity, who were obviously the original team. And then, mm-hmm. you know, you've got Thea and Quentin off doing their thing off to the side. And then whatever time is left is given to the rest of the team. Um, Curtis, we already knew, uh, and they probably give him gave him more screen time than they necessarily needed to because he was um, the best developed of the of the new lot. Uh, for instance, Evelyn, they didn't bother to develop her pretty much at all. You had that brief bit where she talked about how difficult it was for her to work with Oliver after she's still blaming him for for killing her parents. I'm a bit sketchy on that. Um, so you've got that uh, Renee being reckless and eventually trusting him, and um, and Renee started to feed into the other characters in different ways as the season went on. But um, focusing on the team as a plot point for Oliver being a crappy leader at first was a good move, mm. I think. So that's all they were. They were, you know, they were this group of people that he was beating the crap out of. Well, he realised that he shouldn't really be beating the crap out of them. And then they started to develop kind of organically from there. And then when Dinosaur showed up, she sat in the background for quite a while, sadly. Um, so when she was introduced, it took a little while for her to start asserting her own personality, which was not the best in that sense. But again, it's weirdly, it was a 23-episode season, but it felt like they, were, they needed a bit more time to just do everything, you know. Um, interest, And obviously you had Felicity's arc of her becoming a hacker person. That was yeah, I was going to mention that, her joining sort of Helix. Yeah. Um, which I thought was like a pretty interesting introduction that there's this sort of shadow group in the background that have access to almost everything, you know? Yeah. I think they could rescue my dead hard drive. <laughs> Maybe, you never know. <laughs> I'll reach out to them. I'll reach <laughs> out to brunette Felicity. They're probably already listening. They already know, Craig. <laughs> they already know. Maybe they did it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. Um, brunette Felicity, essentially. I think her name was Alina, something like that. Uh, but yeah, she's brunette facil- Felicity. I keep saying facility. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I I thought that was kind of a. It was a bit too much of a. Oh look, she's went through a bit of a trauma, so therefore she must she must go down a really dark path, sort of story. And and what you had was um, when. Uh, what was Bag- Ragman's um, real name? I forget. Um, Ragman. Yeah, he was. Um, he was like her conscience, in a way. He was like, I can't believe you're doing this. Please stop. And then he disappears, and she has no conscience anymore. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Rory. That was his name. Rory, yeah. yeah. Um, See, I, was, I always get confused with Roy, because you had a Roy, you've then got a Rory. And you've got a Rory over on Legends of Tomorrow as well. Mm. That's Mick Rory. But, yeah, well... Uh, so what did you think of uh, Felicity's descent into the dark side? I kind of liked it, but it gave her something to do. It gave her something to sort of stand on her own. I suppose that's what the character was actually wanting to do. You know, I'm doing this for me. Um, you know, that she was um, pushing. 
I think some of it seemed just a bit too convenient. It was sort of along the lines of our... Um, you know, it was... Um, we we need to be able to get this information that there's no way we could possibly know. Well, conveniently, I've got a store where I can go and get any information I want at all. Yeah. Um, but I did like that, the, you know, there was always a trade-off on that. You know, it was like, should we get our information? But they asked something and it got deeper and deeper each time. And I kind of like that she sort of got dragged down that path. And then in the end, they just abandon her and leave her there. You know, once they've got what they want. Yeah, um, yeah. Helix weren't a resource that they could just tap into whenever they wanted without consequence. Uh, I like when there's, there's consequences to anything. So it's yeah. like we'll give you the information to make sure Diggle is no longer a traitor to the um, to the cause, uh, and therefore you will, um, you know, you will help us out down the line by rescuing this guy who never takes that uh, bag over his head off, mm. uh, because you know we're planning to cast him next year. Probably, <laughs> you know that was uh, that's how transparent that was. I think um, things like that. Yeah, you've always got that. Yeah, I, I did yeah. like it because you know there's a lot of the times in shows you will get that resource of information and they can just tap it whenever they like a convenience note. Whereas with this, it was like there were consequences each time they asked for something and they escalated. Yeah, and everyone was like, "Felicity, what the hell are you doing?" She's like stop it, I can handle this. And then eventually she gets kicked out for her loyalties being divided. Because, uh, you know, she because she was affiliated with Team Arrow, there was lines she wouldn't cross. Um, and then she got kicked out eventually. But not without them giving her something. Oh yeah, they gave her that piece of information on Prometheus that they could use. I think it was the picture of him unmasking or something like that. Something like that. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was that um, although I, I kept wondering when it came to Diggle, you know, being a wanted fugitive, since the you know the president gave Green Arrow a medal um, for helping fight aliens, someone could have said, "By the way, my friend John Diggle, uh, he's in a spot of bother. Couldn't have that scrubbed, could you?" Just a thought. That would be too <laughs> convenient, Craig. It would, and. Yeah, then you wouldn't have that entire episode where he gets arrested and Oliver has to break him out of prison. <laughs> and although he does have that um, that hallucination of Deadshot. Yeah, I thought that was that was quite an interesting way of doing it, having him there and you know I'm sort of talking to well, essentially talking to himself. Yeah, I thought it was it was a cool sort of way to bring back Deadshot. Yeah, I don't think they sh- could. I don't think they should have. Um, Pretended he was actually ever real because it was pretty obvious that he was hallucinating <laughs> in the first place. Although maybe that's because I know that uh, that DC films won't let the TV show use the character unless it's like some kind of altered state of some sort. Who knows? It seems yeah. a shame because he was quite fun when he was on the show. So yeah, he was a good character. Yeah, he ve- he certainly was. Um, Sadly, he's gone. Uh, at least for now. So what do you think of the flashbacks this year? This season, season five, flashbacks. I'm glad that they've decided that they're going to finally wrap them up. Because um, it was beginning to seem like he didn't spend any time on that island whatsoever. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, but it was... Um, 
Yeah, I thought I thought the 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 storyline was quite good about you know seeing how he was inducted into the Bratva eventually, and you know because it was kind of one of the last things outstanding really from that. Um, but yeah, I'm glad they've decided to to wrap it up. Yeah, I don't think they've necessarily fully wrapped up the flashbacks. I think they're just going to change how they use them. And they maybe won't be in every episode anymore. You know, we, um, for instance, I already talked about how they're planning Deathstroke flashbacks. So you get, you know, periodically you'll get a flashback into some other character's past of some sort. Or maybe a flash forward or a flash sideways or, you know, something like that. Or maybe just a flash appearance, as in the flash will turn up. Um, there's all sorts of things that they could do with, with that plot device. And I think they, they can use them just as little one-shot things to enhance the story that they're telling in that episode. I thought the flashbacks, they, they did a good job of being relevant, which they haven't been for the past couple of seasons. Um, You know, you had these kind of loose connections, such as Oliver learning how to get out of being tied up. Mm. Uh, and, you know, you, I think it might have been the first episode of the season, you had the no-one-can-know-my-secret thing twice once in the flashback and once in the present day as he killed a guy um, and yeah the Bratva stuff was interesting it was quite interesting to find out how he kind of fell out of favour with, with Anatoly uh, his Russian friend because uh, they, they had to kind of break down his friendship the Talia Al Ghul stuff was okay but the fact that he was like cutting about wearing the green arrow or the original hood arrow costume in like in Russia five <laughs> years ago was a bit like nah, why is he doing that? But the whole idea of the you know he can turn his killer instinct into a separate identity uh, was something they hadn't really touched on before, and that was that was interesting. How Anatoly was like, if you think you can keep those two sides separate by wearing a green hood, you're sadly mistaken. That was good. Because it was just everybody, including probably the audience, thought it was stupid. And uh, season five essentially proved that it was, that he couldn't separate those two sides of himself. Mm. Yeah, relevant flashbacks. At least yeah, I, I think they were they were relevant and they were, uh, like I say, I think it was a good, a good sort of arc this time. And it did tie in with what was going on uh, in the rest of the plot. Yeah, some episodes were a bit slow. But, you know, that's going to happen anyway. Uh, I quite liked having Dolph Lundgren in, in the flashbacks. He was quite a formidable presence. Uh, and it was just cool to see him. He was um, Constantine Kovar. That, that was the character's name. And, uh, yeah, he was good. Um, turns out he's that skeleton that's lying on the island. Because <laughs> uh, Oliver killed him and stuff. I thought it was absolutely hilarious that the super long hair and beard that he had in season the start of season one was a wig. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so what, yeah, I've got I've just... got something in this box that'll help you out. Yeah. <laughs> Do we see the flashback where he goes gets taken to a hairdresser and he's like, "No need," and just yeah. <laughs> and just whaps off the wig. You know, uh, I just thought it was hilarious. But it was getting towards the end of the season. I was like, "He's not growing his hair. It's not growing fast enough to." Like be crazy island Oliver. Yeah, they're going to need to do a really fast forward flashback to him just sitting there waiting for his beard to grow. <laughs> yeah, or and then he just wears a wig at the end. I thought the way they wrapped it up was really good. Um, 
you know, where you see him get on the boat and then he talks to Moira, and that was a nice little cameo from uh, from Susanna Thompson in the in the last episode. Yeah, yeah, it was a nice way of doing that, actually. Yeah. So the the flashbacks have kind of come full circle, which is nice. Thematically, they tie into the present day, which also ended on the island, fittingly, um, as Oliver went into a final showdown with Prometheus, a.k.a. Adrian Chase, um, and I had a great time with the last episode where he, uh, or the penultimate episode and the last episode where he kind of recruited his team, his alternate team to take on the island with him to bring down Adrian, and it was Nyssa, Malcolm Merlin, uh, and Slade, and yeah. Captain Boomerang, who instantly betrayed them. I, the thing I found funny was the, um, I read it on, I, I'm very sorry Craig, I read it on another website, someone was calling it like the vil- the villains that we love too much for them to kill. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, people like Merlin that keep popping up and it's like, he's evil, just get rid of him. No, 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 we like him too much, keep him. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, yeah, and the inevitable betrayal by at least one of them. You know, everyone's sitting there thinking it's going to be Slade and it's not, it's Captain Boomerang. Although the the fact that they did a fake out betrayal from Slade twice in the same episode was yeah. a bit much. It's like the first time, get away with that, fine. All right, now you've established he is actually on Oliver's side. The second time, nah, you're not. <laughs> it's like okay, uh, you're doing this for shock value, and you're not shocking anyone. Um, seems that Malcolm dies. I don't believe it, but it seems that he does. I will use my same theory as I always use until I see the severed head. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Even with Malcolm, that wouldn't convince me. But the way they handled his supposed death, in inverted commas, was quite well done, actually. The the bit where he he was trying to convince Thea that he did care about her, and she was having none of it, and then he dies a few minutes later. And she's conflicted over it because she knows that he was a bad man, but also doesn't want to be glad that someone else is someone is dead, especially when mm. it's her father. And you had that that conversation between her and Felicity, where Felicity talks about she knows what it's like to have an evil dad, and she understands where she's coming from. And it's it's very kind of it's very complicated, and it's a complicated set of emotions. And it's perhaps the wrong time for them to be exploring that because you know they're uh, well. She was careless enough to step on a landmine before, and she's run out of dads to kill themselves for her. <laughs> yeah, I mean the whole the whole uh, island's a blooming landmine now, anyway. So it's yeah. um, that was a bit overkill. Just yeah, <laughs> I have spent weeks laying C four over this island, and I fitted a dead man switch to my person. As soon as I die, the whole thing goes up. Yeah, it's it's every every part of the island. Not just like oh, I've put it in some very key locations. It is I have littered the entire island <laughs> with a network of C four and different triggers. Yeah, it's impressive though. It's very impressive. <laughs> well, that was a striking final shot, wasn't it? The the destroyed island. Yes. I mean, it does. It does leave a lot of questions as to who's who's going to survive. I have the feeling that the majority are. Yeah. Yeah. Um, since the the whole island thing was about, well, it wasn't just Oliver rescuing his son, but that was definitely a big part of it. 
Um, I think that it's a good bet that Samantha, the mother, dies and Oliver is landed with a son that he has to raise now. It seems like that from the trailer that they've shown, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Uh, And it would make sense because that's... I mean, ultimately what you've got is five years of Oliver Queen reclaiming his humanity. So now you've got five... Now he's done that. At least to a point where he can, you know, he can grow as a person. He can learn things. He can, you know, he's looking at the world a bit differently. Even though the, the... the island lessons will never quite go away. But he's now at the point where he's made a kind of peace with it and a kind of peace with himself. So the next logical step is for him to impart wisdom onto a son, you know, the son that he has, uh, which makes, makes... It makes a dramatic sense based on the fact that the show is moving on past what it has been defined by for so long. Yeah, it's definitely their chance to sort of rock it up and, and change it out. Yeah. Yeah, I imagine that nobody else is dead, though. But who knows? Who knows? It would actually seem that the the past is a bit of a theme for the season anyway, or, well, the show in general, but particularly this season, it's about kind of the how the, your past comes back. Uh, and, of course, we had the return of Laurel, although mm. with a twist. Uh, her Earth 2 counterpart became part of Arrow now because she showed up in Flash in season two and now she came over to Arrow and she was used by Prometheus to make Oliver feel upset and throw a spanner in the works while she pretends to be the original. Although she doesn't pretend to be the original for very long because she can't get away with it for very long so they you know, they they skip straight to the Yeah, I'm Black Siren. Yes, I I, I am evil. <laughs> Well, they flesh her out, though, don't they? I mean, you've got... It starts off with her being, yeah, I'm Black Siren, I'm going to scream and knock things down, and then you get that kind of insight into how she became that way, how what diverged the two versions of Laurel, and it was to do with when Oliver was killed in, on Earth 2. She was, like, uh, directionless and found up, wound her up in Central City and was doused with some particle accelerator stuff and became Black Siren, became a villain... Mm fell in with a bad crowd, aka Zoom, and there she is. Yeah, no, I, I kind of liked bringing her in. It it's kind of comes around to what I was saying about Prometheus in the first place. It's a proper sort of uh, getting into to Oliver's mind and what will really rile him up while his yeah. former flame appearing. Um, evil, evil or otherwise would completely throw a spanner in the way that you were thinking. Yeah, and she's rejoining the cast for next season. So I imagine she'll be some kind of recurring menace for them, which would be nice. Uh, a lot of people would uh, criticise Laurel as being a bad character, but I always kind of liked her. Um, I just, as with most female characters on these shows, wasn't always used effectively. But when they started getting into her, like alcoholism itself, uh, the way she dealt with the death of her sister and all that stuff, it was really interesting, and I know this isn't the same Laurel, but Katie Cassidy just seems to have so much more fun playing Black Siren. She just seems to have a blast, just you know, turning up to twelve. They all they all here. seem to enjoy playing evil versions. Yeah, um, I think everyone sort of seems to get a little kick off of it when you see them doing these alternate Earths and 
and all that. They all seem to just relish the opportunity to go a bit nuts. I don't know if it's because if they've been playing the same character for so long. It gets a bit stale, yeah. Yeah. Or it's just good to do something different now and again, yeah. Um, it was good to see the two Sonic Scream characters have a bit of a tussle in the finale. That was a nice touch. Um, where they just and they do the screaming at each other thing and knock each other over. Mm. Um, and I think that Black Siren being about well, the new Black Canaries on the team is going to be a bit of an interesting dynamic because you'll have this, you know, is she just a poor replacement for the original me? That kind of thing. So it's, it's good, good shout, you know, good, interesting stuff. Um, sort of tied into that. Although not really, but it's just an appearance of Katie Cassidy was, we already kind of talked about it, but the 100th episode, which unfortunately happened in the middle of the crossover. Uh, well, unfortunately yes. for the crossover, but fortunately for Arrow, I think, because it gave them an excuse to create a holodeck fantasy that, that gives them their, their their fantasy life, I suppose. Yeah, they can, they can have, uh, and they could also, you know, it allowed them to bring back anyone that they wanted to, which was yeah. a nice... A nice way of doing it, actually, that they could sort of pull any character they wanted back in. Yeah, and I absolutely loved um, the way that they managed to celebrate the 100 episodes by getting into the, the, the core of the show and and uh, giving Laurel a bit of a... Uh, the original Laurel a bit of a send-off. You know, let her go with a bit of dignity in the sense that, you know, the, the, that version of Laurel was due to be married to Oliver... Which, you know, made me think that they might try and have a bit of a relationship between her and between him and Black Siren later on. That's a bit weird, I suppose. You know, second chance with a different version of her who looks like her. That's maybe a bit weird, but I would maybe like to see them go down that route a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'd enjoy that. I, I think it would be a bit weird, but it depends on what they do with the character now that they've not got Prometheus in there pulling strings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It'd be sort of a frenemies type thing. Yeah. It's amazing how Prometheus managed to break into Star Labs to Brit to sneak out uh, Black Siren. They never noticed. <laughs> Idiots. It was, all, it was all the planning. He, <laughs> at the same time he was going down and buying all that C4, he just nipped by Star Labs and picked himself up some Earth 2 doppelgangers. Uh, but they were like, <laughs> yeah. But it was almost like that, okay, right, we know this isn't our Laurel. And it was like, yeah, I called Cisco and he just happened to notice that like she's not in her cell. So, okay. And you never thought to report this. Why? Well, they were very distracted. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Distracted by their own incompetence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm not going to say any spoilers here. Go and check out our Flash podcast. <laughs> Internal yeah. plug clacks and go. <laughs> it's, it's a gong. It's a gong, is it? Yeah. Oh, is it, 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 it a gong? Okay, right. Yeah, ding the gong then, or bang the gong, or whatever. Gong. Yeah. yeah. Was there any like particular episodes that you can think of that stood out for you um, as being particularly strong, or any other things that were you thought were really strong as a whole 
Well, you've already mentioned one of my favourites, which was the the hundredth episode, because they were able to sort of pull lots of different people in, and I, I kind of liked the the way they did that. I think the final episode was also actually quite a lot of fun, just because you know it was sort of the uniting that team together um, and building his weird, um, you know, <laughs> sort of uh, his own sort of uh, villain Avengers. Um, <laughs> For one of the what, what am I trying to think of here? What was the film that came out that I hated? Um, suicide Squad. Suicide Squad. Yeah, there we go. Pulling together his own Suicide Squad, <laughs> um, I think was quite um, you know was quite good. I enjoyed that. I'm sure I'm forgetting a couple of really good episodes in the middle there as well, um, but I've not got the list in front of me to have a look at. <laughs> they all sort of merge in together. Yeah. Well, as I said, I thought the torture episode was was particularly powerful. Uh, it was quite grim. I think my least favourite episode was the Oliver and Felicity Trapped in a Bunker episode, just to offset that. Um, I, I did enjoy the finale a lot. I like, uh, yeah, I liked Oliver pulling together his team of misfits. And, uh, you know, I always like seeing Nissa. She's always a good, I was going to say a good laugh. She's never a good laugh. She's not that funny. <laughs> uh, but she is good. She's good value. Uh, it's a shame you don't really see her fight her sister that much. Uh, the introduction of Talia was was a bit mixed. I thought she was okay uh, with her weird English accent and I quite like that she hated Oliver because he killed her father. That was her motivation for helping out Prometheus. For training him to defeat Oliver and things. So that all made sense. Uh, Malcolm's always good fun. John Barrowman's great. I like John Barrowman. Um, especially in this show. I think he's he's really really good in this, but I I just find it funny because you know over here he's not taken particularly seriously, but in America he's a <laughs> he's managing to get roles like this. Yeah, it's not that he isn't taken seriously; it's more that he's such a fun. You know, it seems that he's just such a fun character in yeah. real life that to be playing a role like that is uh, yeah very odd to see him in that. And we'll talk about him more during the Legends of Tomorrow podcast, of course. Uh, yes. But that is in the future. Also the past. And, and all the present us. and in alternate earths. <laughs> yes. And timelines, yeah. Indeed. Uh, so, yeah, Oliver's team made sense from an uh, internal consistency of the show point of view, but I think we had this conversation off the air once about how the wouldn't it be cool if he went to get Superman from, you know, Kara's Earth? Um and some other superhuman people just yeah i mean it does that's one of the things with all the 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 combination there and having them all together you think when he was going out and he was going no i'm gonna get uh malcolm Marilyn and i'm going to get nisa and i'm gonna get that i was like yeah i would think that you know if he was if he was gonna pick a team or if i was gonna pick a team i'd go and get the flash and supergirl and you know, call the legends, call whoever you want. But, you know, those people surely are the folk that you call first rather than, you know, Malcolm. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I'm yeah. just overthinking it somewhat. Well, I think, it, well, Malcolm kind of forced himself into the situation, to be fair. Yeah. Uh, as he always does. Uh, Nissa made sense with, his, with her sister being there. Slade, great, whatever. You know, let's have him. But, you know... Have Superman for backup. Ask Superman if he has a few minutes to disarm an entire island of explosives and uh, save his son from a cage and save everyone else. And, yeah, and then, um, I don't know, whisk them back to the city. Would have been a lot quicker on episode, though. <laughs> it would have been, yeah. It's like, I'm ten steps ahead of you. I have Superman. <laughs> it's like, well, yeah. I didn't know he existed, so that's a problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> that would have been hilarious, though. If it I think I think you'll find I've borrowed Evil Superman from Earth Twenty One. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh no, I didn't think of that. No curses. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that would have been so weird. But keeping it internally consistent with Arrow, I know it would never occur to Oliver Queen to go uh, recruiting across the the uni- the multiverse. Uh, but yeah, maybe getting Sarah involved. I don't know. I'd like to see Sarah meeting her um, her not sister. That'd be interesting. Definitely. Yeah. He could have went to get the original, well, it's not the original, but the, the technically the original Vixen is the one we're looking at now in Legends. That's another podcast. But the, the Vixen version that was introduced in the animated show but was reintroduced in the season three episode. Season four episode, sorry. Uh, I, th- I thought he might have went to get her with her like dolphin powers and stuff but he didn't that would have been another one that would have made sense <laughs> yeah uh, but you know they've only got so much money to spend and a few people with swords a bit cheaper than women with infinite animal powers so we've already talked a bit about how season 5 wraps up the island plot in the past but also seemingly in the present you know, it ties up these kind of endings together so the show can move forward. What do you think of that as a concept? Do you think it's wrapped things up successfully, drew a line under it nicely? Um, I personally feel that with a few tweaks, the season five finale could have been the show finale completely because it does, for me, it just puts a lot of things, you know, in a perspective. It, it, it closes off a lot of avenues and, and makes things... It wipes the slate clean in a lot of ways, although not completely, but to to a certain degree. I think you're right. I've I've never really thought of it like that, but now that you say it, yeah, I think it it could, if being written differently, be a sort of series finale because you've spent so much time on that island, be it I'm using it as a prison or the flashbacks and everything. Now it's going to be completely obliterated and blown up. So it, it is sort of tying a little bow around that and going well that is now finished apart from you know there might be the odd flashback or whatever but there's now a big line under there so yeah I do think it's going to be interesting seeing what they do going forward because the island and a lot of that story has always been a generator for villains or or other people that show up later on in the way of explaining things. So it'll be interesting to see how they do that differently. Um, you know, it's past that point. It's into its fifth season, so they need to rock it up and they need to do something different. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to top this season because I think it was very, very good in the way it finished it. And it might be that we now have another season where they're going to have to slowly build something up. Um, I'm hoping not, and I, I'm sure they'll they'll manage it in some way that I haven't thought of, because a lot more cleverer than I am. Yeah. Well, don't sell yourself short. <laughs> yeah. If anything, I'm overselling. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, the the island thing being over with is fine because we've had five years of it. It's like when Doctor Who, where they talk about the time war, and eventually you want them to shut up about the time war. So. Um, you know, there's, a, again, I talk about the drinking game of, can we have the room? But there's um, another drinking game that you can get through the entire seasons. You know, wherever Oliver upsets someone, uh, particularly in season one and two, and they and they kick off at him for some reason. He's like, I'm really sorry, but I was on an island for five years. 
<laughs> he uses that an excuse for everything. He's yeah, but yeah, but as we've found out, he's been around a lot of people for those five years. I was on an island for two and a bit years, actually. But yeah, yeah, and and not not concurrently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you had that bit where the journalist discovered that I can't even remember her name. Is it Carly? Yeah, she no, discovers the, the pictures of him. The actress's name was Carly. I can't remember the. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, yeah, she discovers pictures of him in like Russia, and then she discovers a picture of the Green Arrow in Russia, and or not the Green Arrow, but the Hood, you know. And and she <laughs> and she puts it together, and then they don't really do anything with it. I suppose he saves her life later on and proves that he's not such a bad guy after all. Uh, but I was really hoping they would they would build that up to to be another problem, maybe for this season. Mm. They still will. Um. Well, if she's put it together, you can imagine that someone else is doing something similar. That's blindingly obvious. Mm. You know, and the, it appear, anybody that's seen the Green Arrow up close notices that he has a face mask, mask and designer stubble. Um, <laughs> look, or the mayor has designer stubble. But yeah, I think a big part of the season was, was all over, as I said, reclaiming his humanity. And he's got a bit of a, a realisation of what it actually takes to be a hero. So you see a lot of the work he does as mayor is about improving the city in different ways. You've got like gun control, which he does a bit of. Um, social social uh, things, you know, social enterprise stuff. Um, creating jobs, all that stuff. Uh, he has, he realises that's important to stop crime from happening in the first place. So as Green Arrow, he can solve the stuff that he still needs to deal with. But as mayor... He can make the city better in ways where it starts to heal itself. So I think, it, I mean, at first it was about taking names off the list. Uh, and now it's about making the city a better place. And he gets to inspire people as mayor and Green Arrow gets to inspire people in different ways. In the, in, a, in a different way to how you would do as mayor. And, you, and it's an interesting little dynamic there because... It makes use of the two identities rather than having one feel like it's just getting in the way. You know, in The Flash, Barry Allen feels like he gets in the way of The Flash because he still has to go and be normal and do his work and stuff. So they just show you, they don't show you him at the police station very often because it gets in the way of the story they want to tell. Mm -hmm. But with this mayor plot line, it really complemented the superhero side of it. No, I think it worked really well this year. And like I say, some of the stuff with the the joining between him being mayor and the being the arrow at the same time, I, I kind of liked the play between the two and it gave it something a bit different and uh, I think it worked out. Definitely, yeah. And I look forward to seeing how they keep combining the two next season uh, or they'll have some kind of... They'll throw a spanner in the works that'll put his mayor mayoral career at risk. Mm. Like they kind of did with the impeachment side of things, but... Uh, maybe a bit more. Um, so, this isn't the end of the show, naturally. Mm. We have a season six and possibly beyond. So, what would you like to see in season six? Uh, but before answering that, I'll like list off some of the other stuff, some of the stuff that has been confirmed. Uh, so, they've confirmed that William, his son, will have a bigger role. Dinah will get a new suit, which we have seen. I'll put a link in the show notes to the picture of it. Uh, apparently, she'll get a new love interest as well. Uh, whatever, they don't do these very well very often. Um, Slade 
Deathstroke back in flashbacks, as I've already mentioned. A couple of new characters. Uh, they've cast Michael Emerson, who was on Lost, I think. You can correct me there if I'm wrong. I will take your word for it. Yeah, uh, Michael Emerson's in it, and that's something that Stephen Amell was very excited about. There's a cast interview video at Comic-Con, which is where he finds out <laughs> when someone asks <laughs> him a question about Michael Emerson being on the show, and he reacts with, What? Wow! <laughs> it's really good. Link will be in the show notes, uh, if I can find it. Um, apparently the villains... Uh, well, the, the theme of the season is going to be fina- uh, family, uh, and... The villains are going to be following that theme. There'll be a group of them, a cabal, rather than a single foe. So that's a more interesting prospect, I think. I think I think it sounds like they're rocking it up. Um, it sounds good to me. Yeah, everything on paper sounds like a good idea. It's so whether they obviously it's concept versus execution. Yes. Yeah. In season six, I want to see the the family theme continued. I want to see the team continuing to gel. Uh, supporting cast getting more to do which they were starting to by the time they started to feel like more of the plot so you know you can imagine Renee's story about him trying to get his daughter back will grow uh, Rory might come back I hope so uh, now that I remember his name um, other stuff uh, I hope they can keep the villains feeling as well developed because with a lot of them it might mean that they're less developed need to watch out for that yeah, but like you've said, if 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 they can focus, you know, five episodes at a time per villain or or something along those lines, then it might feel a little bit different and and change it up a little. Yeah, and you'll have Black Siren kicking about anyway, so any chance to develop her is good in my book. Um, and I kind of want to see a bit more interaction between. Uh, you know, different members of the team. So, what you, I mean, you see a lot of Oliver hanging around with Felicity or Oliver hanging around with Diggle, but, you know, you, you start to see little shades of, um, you know, what is Diggle's relationship to Renee? Or what's, you know, what, what about Renee's relationship to Felicity? Or what's Dia's relationship to... Uh, I don't know. I do. I do like when they. Ch- I do like when they they change it out and they do put odds odd people together that wouldn't normally meet. I mean, they've done it in quite a few shows where they go, "Do you know what? We never write this person being in a car with this person." You know, and it can yeah. be as simple as that. You know, you get to see a, a a shot of you know two doing a stakeout, and it's two people that you don't normally see conversing for that long, and it's a way of doing it naturally without making it seem like you've crowbarred it in. Yeah, and there was that great scene uh, with them sitting in a diner when they were looking for uh, Tina, as she was known at the time. Dinah, later on. (laughs) They were in a diner looking for Dinah. Yeah, but uh, but it was just, yeah, they were sitting having a chat, and then there was that bit where Oliver phoned Captain Singh, I think it was, uh, the Central City police guy, and uh, asked for information. And then he was like, who's calling? And, And he hesitates for a bit before he decides, I'll go as Green Arrow, I'll get the information that way. Because he could do it as Oliver Queen as well. Mm. And then he makes Barry run in and leave a post-it note on the screen saying he's legit. That was a good moment. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't... you say, Like, Barry is just a visual effect in that scene. You don't actually see him. But if you pause it at the right time, you see the, the outline of the flash. Um, that was a cool little scene. I don't know, I just felt like I had to mention that. 
Uh, yeah, stuff like that though. Them just sitting having a chat, you know. Uh, Quentin and Renee, they would often have little conversations. They were nice to look at. Yeah, like I say, I think their their little um, relationship was one of my favourite things. They they bounced off really well off together. So yeah, and uh, Renee hitting on Thea was quite <laughs> funny because she was like not interested, and then he would try again. She's like still not interested. <laughs> Thea will not be tied down to you know she will not put up with harassment. <clears throat> she could also break his neck probably. So something to watch out for. <laughs> So, Arrow Season 5, we liked it. Nice and positive. Uh, overall, really, really enjoyed it. Um, like everything, it had its odd odd bits and pieces that I didn't like, but overall, I thought it was a return to form to the show. I think it's it's doing really well. It did really well for its fifth season. Hopefully, their sixth follows along the same. Yeah, let's hope for a, a uniformly excellent DC TV season. Bring it on. And... We only have one more show to talk about, which will happen soon. Yay! Yay! So, thank you for joining me. Uh, I hope you resolve your five minutes. <laughs> for five minutes, I was without internet. And now I walk around clobbering people with an iron. <laughs> I, I, I will get over it eventually by using two irons, then I'll get over, twi- <laughs> I'll get over it twice as fast. And then you'll realise that you have to tie your iron killing... <laughs> Life into your other life. Yeah. The two will collide together. <laughs> That's it. Somehow podcasting and murdering people with <laughs> irons will combine into something. Yeah. Wow. Well, you'll know what happens on the next podcast then. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that analogy went. <laughs> anyway. On For legal note, reasons. <laughs> <laughs> I must point out. <laughs> yeah, on that, on that note... I think I'm going to press the button on this C4. And, uh, and I'm going to obliterate this podcast. Oh, but when you when you obliterate me and you obliterate the podcast, remember that the bomb set under you will also obliterate. So and That was the plan all along. Yeah, that was it. I, I yeah. spent a long time setting all that out. Yeah, there was all sorts of <laughs> planning and some henchmen were hired. It was, it was amazing. Mm. So yeah, uh, thank you for joining. As always... Thank you very much for inviting me. It's good to be positive. Yay. Positive people live longer, so be positive. So that was our discussion of Arrow Season 5. Thanks to YouTuber nstens1117 for the supplied music. If you like what you heard, then please do subscribe on iTunes, YouTube, or any major podcasting app, and join us on the next Neil Before Pod. <laughs>